This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt on the Cloth. This was my sermon from February 28, 2021. I hope you enjoy and God bless. My scripture this morning is taken from Romans chapter 4, verses 13 through 25. If you'd like to follow along, it sounds weird to be able to say this, but if you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it's found in your pew Bibles on page 145, or you can just watch it on the screen. <clears throat> you ready, Madeline? For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null, and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, <coughs> I, have made you, <coughs> I have made you in the father of many nations, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. <clears throat> no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced, that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the word, it was counted to him, was not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses, and raised for our justification. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. This passage of text is taken from the lectionary, which is just a way of reading the Bible and the way to plan worship and things of that nature. But I really liked it in the aspect of talking about Lent. When we, if you haven't noticed, we have a kind of a theme going on within the office and on our screens and everything that we do about remembering. You see, the most important part about Lent is to remember things. For some, it might be remembering the sins. For some, it might be remembering that Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins. For some, it might even be just remembering those beautiful moments that we had as we were growing up in church. Abraham should be in your memory. If, if you didn't grow up in church, you might remember the song. Father Abraham had many sons. You can go ahead. And many sons had Father Abraham. And I am 
So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm. And then we go on through this crazy thing. And by the time you're done with it, it's awesome. you got every part of your body moving. You're walking around in circles with your tongue out, head going up and down. I never, you know, in all the years I worked in youth ministry, not once did I have kids doing this song when they're moving their head up and down with their tongue sticking out, walking around in a circle, moving their arms and legs. Not one of them ever bit their tongue. I probably just jinxed it just now. But not once did they ever hurt themselves singing this song. It's amazing. I don't know how that happens. But the most, yeah, that's right, because we're singing. Because it's kids. I mean, you got to do. You didn't do that verse? Oh, well, Paula, we got we to gotta fix that. You did everything else. Got it. Well, there's this thing about Father Abraham's song that I love. It's the conversation about, and I am one of them. And so are you. See, that's the part that's the most important thing about when we remember Abraham. Abraham was the father of all. This is important for you to understand. All of those that draw breath, because God made a promise to Abraham and Sarai, but it's Abram and Sarai. God says, I will make your ancestors outnumber the stars in the sky and the sands of the sea. Can't do that. Right? I mean, it's, but here's the thing. The most important thing about Abraham's story is, is that God never breaks promises. Never. Humans are going to. It's just, it's in our nature. We're going we're gonna to break promises, but God never does. And God promised Abram that his ancestors would outnumber the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. Because all of them become related. Because they are children of God. Children of God. That's important for me that you hear this statement. All those that draw breath are children of God. And Paul knows this. You see, Paul is this Jewish Pharisee that he's talking to this church in Rome, and he's trying to get them to understand that God loves everyone, even those that aren't Jewish. I mean, you have to, you have to see, you can hear this conversation, right? You can hear them saying, well, they're not like us. Well, they don't do the same things that we do. But they do, and they just do it differently. Paul understood that what made them different from anybody else in their nomadic tribal existence was is that they believed in one true God and never held another God above him. And in that experience, God promised Abram and his relatives and all of those that draw breath that God would be there for them. Always, always be there for them. It's as if we have to be reminded of this. An ancient interpretation says that what Paul says is that the law brings wrath. Yet its power is that it hold, held transgressors guilty. You see, Paul is trying to make sure that the audience in Rome recognizes that Torah was in for them and will continue to be for the Jewish culture, but that these other folks found God in a different way through their faith. And that he's trying to find a way of connecting the audience 
not disconnecting them. He continues to say, but faith is the gift of God's mercy so that those made guilty by the law may obtain forgiveness. So for them, therefore, faith brings joy. Paul does not speak against the law, but gives priority to the aspect of faith. Martin Luther saw that Christians as sinners through birth were righteous through faith. And he goes on to continue to say, he says, It is as with a sick man who believes his physician when he gives him the most certain assurance that he will get well. Hoping for the promised recovery, he obeys the physician's orders and abstains from all that is prohibited to him and waits for the fulfillment of the physician's promise. This man is at once sick and healthy. Sick in fact, but healthy in the hope for the promised health. Now folks, this is the part that's the hardest for us in our culture. Because for the last 25 years, we've had an extreme battle and a hard disconnect from all of those that draw breath. You see, Abraham is the father of the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslim culture. In this lesson, the patriarch Abraham is the father of such faithfulness to us as as Christians. But the promise to Abraham came as a word of grace, not as a demand of law. The story of Abraham demonstrates that by having this trust in God, it's not misplaced. You know, it was weird when I was in Israel, how weird it was to be able to go see Abraham. Because, you know, the funny thing about this is, here is Abraham that all of us can agree on, whether you're Muslim, whether you're, you're Christian, or whether you're Jewish, that we have this connection to God through Abraham. And while we were there, we really don't know who he was. Like, we have no pictures of what he looked like. We don't know very much about him other than the stories that we read in the book of Genesis. Anthropologically and archaeologically, we have very little except for in the city of Hebron, where we believe that Abraham died. And in the city of Hebron, there is uh, his tomb. His tomb and Sarah's tomb and Isaac's tomb is all inside this one building. That was weird for me because in order to go see the tomb of Abraham and Isaac, we had to go through the Israeli security, through the the Jewish side, to walk through the Jewish quarter to get to the Muslim mosque that holds the tomb of Abraham. And the tomb of Abraham is open to all those that want to see it. There is no aspect of having to be converted into the Islamic faith. There is no aspect of trying to be converted into the Jewish faith or even Christian faith. But to see where Abraham is, is right there inside, literally in the middle of a Muslim mosque. (laughs) So here you have this person, Abraham, who has been purported to be the father of many people, the biological father, if you will, of 12 million Jews, 2 billion Christians, and 1 billion Muslims around the world, and he is largely unknown. 
So then there's an issue here. We have a claim to Abraham because we are children of God. We draw breath, do we not? In the same breath that God gave to Abraham, we become a child of God. Now, the part that's hard for us in this lesson that Paul is teaching the people is, is that we have to kind of create a connection for us today, right? We have to find a way of connecting our faith in the aspect of Abraham's legacy and not be, well, this is hard for us as Christians, to not be supersessionists. You came to faith in this aspect uh, and received this grace from multiple places. We understand in Christianity, for us, that Christ's salvific act connects us through our faith to Abraham and heirs of the promise of God. See, if we're children of God, then we are heirs of God's promise. I say this at every single celebration of life that I do. When you read the book of Romans, you have this really beautiful conversation in Romans 8 where it says, we're not just children of God, we're heirs of God. And if heirs, then we've inherited the grace that God gives to us through the salvific act of Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about remembering our baptism. And there's something powerful about remembering that moment of whether we were sprinkled or we were anointed, or even if we were dunked, the objective here is, is that we become dead to life and alive in Christ when we come up out of that water. It's a big deal. This should matter. So what this passage of Scripture here is, is Paul is saying, listen, when you do that, you are a different person probably thinking to yourself, well, what, what does that mean? You become the image of Christ. If you're a child of God and an inheritor of God's grace, that means that you are to share that with the rest of the world as the image of Jesus. You're probably asking, well, what does that look like since we don't know what Abraham looks like, we don't know what Paul looked like, and it's very simple. Just look in a mirror. You are the inheritor of God's grace. You accepted God's love into your heart and therefore are something different. When people see you, they see and they feel the presence of God in your actions, words, deeds. Why do, should we remember that? Well, we're in the middle of Lent. This is that time of year that we have to say, okay, I know that when I was in Homeland, that person was making a face at me, but I can't tell what their face was because they had their mask on. Or I can see them in the store as they walk past me and they give me the funky looks. You know, it's weird, folks. We live in this weird world. Besides being isolated, we've created this dynamic in such a way that people are so uncomfortable in their own skin. This, this is not me making a statement that we shouldn't be doing what we've been asked to do by the CDC and physicians 
this is trying to say that when we do that, we are still the image of Christ whether we have a mask on or not. You are still the image of Christ when you're walking around in town and we are trying to be helpful for someone that we've never met before. You still become the image of Christ. I have to tell you this really weird story about the food pantry before we get done. The interesting thing for me in our community is as we have found ways of serving each other in ways that we haven't done before in the past. Well, we've tried, you know, and this kind of the neatest thing about the food pantry is that you have all of these churches working together and all of these community agencies working together. And we never treat our guests as if they're not children of God, by the way. That's extremely important. We don't put up boundaries or barriers for them to get food. I, I just, I, I don't have patience for someone that says, well, did we do a financial background check on them? And I say, no, but we could do one on you. If you'd like to do that, to be a volunteer, we only take perfect people here. Thank you. Not that I'm bitter. It, I get the opportunity to be the one that delivers the meal. Some of them. And some of these folks are literally living in a building that has four walls and a roof. And it would not be a place that you would call home. And I don't get to deliver them all the time, so it's really kind of fascinating to me that I'll, I'll miss one delivery and I'll come back the next time and they'll say, Josh, we missed you. We had somebody else come in and we thought they were trying to rob us. What? Well, they had a mask on and they dropped off a whole bunch of food. Okay. Josh, we find there's some, something amazing about this. It's, it's great that we get to meet these new people and we feel like we're a part of something again. That's the worst part when you have to ask for help, right? But why is it so uncomfortable for the ones receiving it as well as the one giving it? My hope is, is that when we do these things, we do it because there's a, there's a weight on our heart that this shouldn't be happening. There's something on our heart that says, as a child of God, they should not ever have to worry about where their food is coming from. As a child of God, they should never have to worry about a roof over their head. Where do we get that understanding? Well, because the Bible is clear about this. That is our mission. When we do those things, we do it in the image of Christ. So it makes sense why Paul is doing this for us. It makes sense why we should remember this moment in our existence in a way that lives in the image of Christ. And we have the opportunity to do this every single day that we draw breath. So, ladies and gentlemen, Father Abraham had many kids. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.